Hello, everyone. Welcome to Measuring the Score podcast, the podcast where we offer our opinions on film scores and the films they're inspired by. I'm Chris. And I'm Leslie. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Measuring the Score. This is episode 13. Can you believe it's been 13 episodes? I cannot, and I've enjoyed every single episode. (laughs) I have too, actually. (laughs) All 13 of them. Apparently a lot of you, yeah, yeah, all 12 of them. Apparently a lot of you are as well, and we think each and every one of you have been listening to this and, you know, continue to make you... Our numbers grow every day as, as followers on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram... And all over Apple Podcasts as well, because we've got some great reviews on there. And we got a great review on Twitter just yesterday. So thank you all so much. Just, you know, it's been an amazing journey. So let's get started. Today we're going to be talking about Independence Day. But as always, before we talk about that, Leslie, have you been listening to anything other than what we're going to be talking about today? Audio Slave. Audio Slave. <laughs> You've been listening to Audio Slave? <laughs> Okay, please elaborate. Not a score. <laughs> <laughs> it's not enough elaboration. <laughs> that, that, that's fine. Chris Cornell. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't expecting that, but okay. Or Alice in Chains. We're listening to them too. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to uh, Star Trek Discovery by Jeff Russo. I, there, there's this one track off of season one that I still love. It's called Captain Mud, M U D D. Oh, no. is that that, is that um oh in Star Trek the original episode Mud? He was that nefarious character. They like to steal right. and stuff. So guess who plays him now? Who? Rain Wilson. What? And I can th- see that though. The theme that they have, and he, the weird thing is, he look he has that beard just like he did from Good Samaritan. Uh, Good Samaritan is a short film that I scored, directed by Jeffrey Riddick. The reason why, and Rain Wilson was in there. He played a news uh, news anchor, and he had this beard, this wonderful beard that he had. He's got the same glorious beard, beard. glorious beard, beard, and it, it was great because he still got the same beard in the show. I haven't seen the show, but it, he has this wonderful, evil-sounding theme, and I'm like, this does not fit Rain Wilson. Well, it doesn't fit Mud either. Mud to me was kind of like a, uh, I would. It would be kind of like curious type of music, you know, a yeah. curious cat burglar type of thing. You I'll, ha- know? I'll have to play the 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 uh, theme once we get through the podcast, but it was great. I re- now I really want to watch the show, which I, I heard is is fantastic. Where does it fall on on the uh, Star Trek timeline? I really don't know. I think it follows the original, but the way it, lo- it looks like Abrams, I don't I don't know. I don't know if it's part of the Kelvin timeline or I think it's a part of the original timeline. Okay. I think it's before the original series, because I think Captain Pike shows up, and he's played by a different actor. Oh, so it kind of ties into Pike? Think, I think Spock's in there as well, and he's- Spock, always in there. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, and, and the music is fantastic, because Jeff Russo also did the Picard show, which we watched part of, and the music was wonderful in that, so he he's doing a great job with this. <laughs> You said the Picard show. It just, it just reminds <laughs> me of it. Yeah. Welcome to the Picard show, everybody. <laughs> yeah. 
Da -da -da Picard. He's yeah, about to, to question us. <laughs> Trivia question. <laughs> I can picture that. It's like a 70s decor around everything else. And here, out pops Picard. Oh, he's in his leisure suit. Yeah, yeah. He's in his leisure <laughs> suit. And he's just like, hello, everyone. I can picture that. So anyway, today we're going to be talking about Independence Day. Now, Independence Day was a 1996 blockbuster action film starring Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum, Bill Pullman, Robert Loggia, and it was directed by Roland Emmerich and written by Emmerich and Dean Devlin, I believe. It mm -hmm. was written by both of them. Yes. Now, when the film came out, it was a huge, massive success. It, there was so much hype built up for the movie. I mean, it kind of jump-started the summer blockbuster. I mean, because Jaws really started that off, but it kind of lulled down. But 1996, Independence Day ruled the box office. Yeah, and, you know, uh, Devlin and uh, Emmerich, Emmerich. Uh, came up with the idea of uh, this movie while they were promoting Stargate. That's, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, I can't remember if it was a question and answer panel or something came up about aliens, and he's like, I got an idea for our next movie. And so, hence, Independence Day was written. So, to put into perspective of how big this film was, they had to push back Mars Attacks, and then Spielberg temporarily canned War of the Worlds. Yes, they pushed all that back, because it just, it, it was... at the top for the longest time it dominated everything and i mean the film is is great it's it's a very fun movie we'll get to that in a moment but the score was one thing i really remember and uh, the score was by music uh, music by uh, david arnold who was a british composer who studied clarinet and classical guitar that's right and he won a grammy for this score he did and, and it's it's i'll just go right off the bat and say this score was fantastic I had a wonderful time listening to it because I had listened to it once before and I loved it back when I listened to it before this podcast. Now, I always remembered it watching the films because this was one of my go-to movies for a while. I would pop this in and there were, I always noticed the music. I always noticed how many themes were going on throughout the film and I thought it was great. Well, this was the first time I ever listened to the score. Really? Independence Day was not one of my favorite movies growing up. <laughs> Teenage Leslie was not impressed by Independence Day. What about Adult Leslie? Adult Leslie thinks it's okay. <laughs> I'm not a big alien thing person, you know. I, I know. If it comes to aliens and zombies, that's it. You've lost me. I'm not really interested. Other than, I, and I know you're opposite. You love zombies. To an extent. I mean, I'm not a huge zombie person. I like alien stuff more than zombies. I mean, uh, there are certain zombie movies I do like, but I'm not like... Well, I, I think maybe it's because like the idea of aliens deep down frightens me. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we talked about unsolved mysteries in our last episode. Right. Well, you know, especially when you start talking about Little Grey, I can't stand right. it. I get freaked out. Now, this movie didn't really frighten me or anything, and it didn't give me any kind of anxiety watching it. I just thought it was a fun movie, and the score really reflected that. It really reflected... I like the witty banter. It's got a lot of uh, 
instances where you know they had the, the witty banter right um i really like that i know some of it was ad-libbed especially uh jeff goldblum and will smith and uh i think it was his father he played oh what uh, uh judd hirsch yeah i think all those uh when jeff goldblum was involved was uh ad-libbed well, jeff goldblum's a character in himself so <laughs> yes he is now speaking of goldblum you know you think of this was around the time this is after Jurassic Park. Is it after or before? Uh, this was after, because Jurassic Park was in 94. Oh, I thought it was before. And I want to say Lost World was 98. I could be wrong about the time. But, uh, you know, no, Jurassic Park was in 94. So, Goldblum had a resurgence because of that film. So, he was coming off of, you know, Jurassic Park. So, and that, that was another thing with the score, too. It has a very John Williams feel but also it's very original and that's what i noticed when i first started listening to it was that it felt like john williams it had patriotic moments it felt very patriotic in part and then you had this epicness about this this uh score that to me was amazing i liked how it was written i i I thought it was written you know brilliantly i really do to me that there was like three main themes of the film you got the aliens theme, which was you know very dark, very cold, and then you have like the overall main theme, which is also the patriotic theme, and then you have like a military type theme, and all of them played so well together. I thought it was just fantastic how how well they worked. Yeah, you know, and he used a lot of horns. There was a lot of horn uh, lines in the. Um... And the score, mm-hmm. and you know that I think kind of helped bolster that patriotic feel or that military esque feel that you were just talking about. Um, you do hear some strings in there, and I think you wrote down the statistics about how big the orchestra and choir were. Yeah, it was an orchestra of ninety and a choir of forty six. That is massive. That is huge. Kind of reminds me of Wagner when Wagner used to compose. He, um, I'm about to go out on this small tangent but <laughs> Wagner when he used to compose he would have these big orchestras play mm-hmm. but then he would have people strategically placed in the audience that would play too so it was kind of like surround sound surround sound it was agent surround <laughs> sound right. that's awesome yeah so but the just the sheer size of what he was working with kind of re- reminded me of that and and you can tell by how big the score is i mean it is massive but there is I don't think there was any moment listening to the score where I was going, oh, why did he do that? Oh, no, no. It was every single moment was always great and grand. Great. It was very grand score. Um, well thought of, I thought. Um, even when we start talking about the movie, you know, well placed transitions and the score itself were nice. Um, I didn't have any issues with it whatsoever just by listening to it i thoroughly enjoyed it now you said well placed in the film now it was the each instrument to me was very well placed everything you know everything had a purpose and it wasn't like it was we we're experimenting no we know what we're doing and it, and it, it shows it was very yes yeah, it was very it, methodical it, and meticulous yes the way he, every he single piece everything. was well thought out yeah and, you know, uh, I read somewhere where it said that he locked himself in 
in his room in a hotel room to compose the score for the movie because he didn't want interference from the news because it was as you mentioned well hyped up he didn't want any of that and i think the article that i read instance where he looked outside of his window and they had an airplane flying with a banner behind it <laughs> about independence day <laughs> and he was trying to escape from that so he could compose something that was original right and and, and it is it's a very original score so I mean, you notice that from the very first piece right when the music starts up you get this very cold dark the aliens theme basically and it worked it, it, every single but bit of it. What I did notice was that out of all those elements, the epicness, the fact that it sounds kind of patriotic, there was some sci-fi elements in there. Right. And it sounded like almost old school sci-fi uh, to an extent, not, you know, to the theremin, uh, you know, of the 50s. But it did have some elements to me that was reminiscent of those old sci-fi movies. And I picked up on that. Um, at the very beginning uh, of the score, right, and it was very, uh, it was very old school sci-fi, but it was done his way. Yes, and that's the best way I can put it. Now, one of the things uh, Dean Devlin, the producer and writer, said: leave it to a Brit to write some of the most rousing and patriotic music in the history of American cinema. It's very true. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Very true. Very ironic, <laughs> considering July Fourth was our Independence Day. And and it was it, it worked and it really is very patriotic. Every time you hear that theme, you think of Bill Pullman giving that grand speech. I almost, you know, I didn't want to go as far as Sousa because you know Sousa was the master of patriotic marches, and because uh, you know you have the Stars and Stripes Forever March, which I used to hate sight reading that piece. I think I mentioned that before, um, especially the flute part, but. Right. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as saying that it was like Sousa, but there were elements in there that reminded me of Sousa and his marches. Um, especially when you start getting, into, I think, was it the president's speech, uh, which you just mentioned? I think that was the name of the, the piece, yep. was the president's speech. That one, when I listened to the score, stuck out to me the most. Because it, it switched kind of gears. You know, did. you got this military uh, sound. You've got this epic sound. Almost like a march. And then all of a sudden, when you get the president's speech, then it kind of switches gears a little bit to sound really patriotic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I thought um, one, one of the things with the president's speech, the way it started off, it started off with the, with the snare, the military snare. And then when it gets to the big rousing, the main theme of the film, it just... You know, the way it flowed was perfect. I mean, it, it built up perfectly. It played out perfectly. And it just worked every single note of the way. And, you know, I loved it. And what was crazy when I found out, because we cannot find a whole lot of background on this film. Uh, one of the things I did find out, though, uh, I don't know how many short films he did, but he started off with a film called The Young Americans. Then he scored Stargate. And then this. So this was probably his third feature film. I know that. Uh, uh, this is this is according to Wikipedia, so I don't know how accurate it is, but wow. I mean, th if this is a third film, that is an amazing score to be your third film. And, you know, and he taught himself composition. Right. He was not a, um, he didn't go to school for composition. 
Uh, and I understand that. Oh, wait, that. so, wait, I didn't find that out. He didn't go to school? No, I have here on my notes here that he studied clarinet and classical guitar, which you mentioned, and not taught composition. Oh, he's kind of like me? Wow. Yeah, he was self-taught. Um, which, kudos to him, because I hate music theory. <laughs> I don't know if I could do composition. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This is his fourth film. I apologize. It was Young Americans. Stargate, Last of the Dogmen, and then Independence. He Day. did Last of the Dogmen. He did Last I of the Dogmen. I love that movie. It was a sad movie, but I love that movie. It was. I, you know what? I don't think I've seen it. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I need to go back. I think it was around the time when the Dances with Wolves came out, and then you had the Last of the Dogmen. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good movie, though. Yeah. If you like dramas, I think you would like it. Well, there was not really a whole lot, uh, really that much that he did later on he did a lot of the bond films but yes as far he is as known like, for james bond yeah because he yes. did he started off with tomorrow never dies and i think he just kind of scored the rest of them after that up until quantum of solace and then after quantum of solace it was replaced by thomas newman he did um skyfall specter and then now hans zimmer is taking over for um Hans Zimmer's doing the new one. He's he's doing the new one. Oh, with uh Billie Eilish doing the song. Oh, that's gonna be interesting. I haven't heard the song yet. I know the song's already out, but now the soundtrack is supposed to be releasing soon. I, I always like Shirley Bassey. Which one was that? She did the old Bonds, like Diamonds Off Forever. Oh, <laughs> uh, the old old Bond. Yeah, the very old Bond. But and it it was one thing that was kind of funny though. You mentioned well, we both mentioned that it had a very John Williams feel to it. The film Paul with Seth Rogen and oh yeah, about not the, Seth Rogen. Yeah, well, yeah, it was Seth Rogen yeah, and the boys, and then Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. They originally wanted John Williams to do the score, but of course John Williams turned him down politely, and they asked David Arnold to come in and do the score for the film, and he has a theremin all the way throughout. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. Well, that's because Simon Pegg is a big nerd. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He and him and Nick old... Frost both are. Yeah. yeah. Now, like I said, we, we, we couldn't really find a whole lot of background information on the film as far as the score-wise. Um, we're just giving our opinions on it. I mean, overall, just by listening to it, we loved it. We loved the score. Well, I said we because he just said we. But, <laughs> yes, we... <laughs> I'm speaking for both of us. Like twinsies, we love the score. <laughs> um, no, uh, I regress, but we do. We we <laughs> we love the score. Um, we talked about it after we both listened to it, but how solid it was. It was a solid score. You could listen to it on its own. It stands alone. It's not one of those scores that have these just pieces, parts, as I've mentioned, you know, earlier in our podcast. Um there is something, though, that I want to mention that uh, uh, I found, and I, I didn't pick up on this, but um, in the invasion scenes, which is at the very beginning of the score, there is a rhythm section in there, and the rhythm near the beginning uh, are the Morse code letters for D-I-E. That's creepy. Yeah. That's creepy, but awesome. It's very intelligent. Yeah. We've talked about these intelligent scores, and that was intelligently done. That was pretty yeah. cool. That was pretty cool he did that. I, I didn't know about it until you, you said something. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's really that's deep. pretty intense. That kind of reminds me of Hunt Simmer on Inception. You yeah. know how he, he wove that. Yeah, uh, that, that's pretty cool yeah. that, 
that David Arnold did that. Song that's, into that's his pretty score. Cool. Yeah. He, he he wove the Morse code. That's pretty that's pretty creepy but cool. Yeah. Now, one of the things I was worried about myself after you know listening to the score and I, you know, remembered how you know how grand it is. I was worried that since we're doing this with the podcast that once we started to watch the film, the score is not going to mean as much. Yeah, you know, we, we have, uh, and Chris and I have talked about this, this exercise has really been kind of stressful when we're, we're going back and looking at our films that we love the most. Um, because, you know, we're, 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 we're actually um, watching the movie from a different perspective. Not from the, okay, I love this movie, but okay, how does this music work? Does this music you know, bolster the movie, you know, is this music placed well in the movie? So, you know, like I did with Back to the Future, my biggest fear was like, oh God, what have we done? You know, and I'm like... That's what I was really worried about with this because I really liked the score. That was the reason why I picked it. And uh, right off the bat, when the film starts up, it starts off with this music and it works. And it sounds lovely. It, It did and it worked. Now, one of the things I wanted to talk about that I'm... I have not seen anybody talk about this before, and Leslie had never even noticed it until I said them something about it. When the film opens up, you get the you know the 20th Century Fox and you know Roland Emmerich film, and then it says July 2nd. Now, when that title screen, that title card is sitting there, it's sitting there very still. It's not, it's not moving. It's not moving forward or backward or anything. Well, then that's when the alien invasion happens. That's when the aliens, you know, pretty much de- decimate, you know, Earth. And then when it shows the July 3rd title card, it's moving backwards. Almost like the world is shuddering back from the alien invasion. They're, you know, they've just been hurt. They're sheltering in place. And then when the July 4th title card comes in, it's moving towards the screen. Almost like the humans are rising up against the aliens. I always noticed that. I never saw anywhere anyone talk about this. I, I don't know if that's what they were intending to do. But that was the impression that I got when I when I watched the film. Yeah, you, when you pointed it out, then I paid attention to it because, like I said, I haven't seen this movie since I was a teenager. Right. So, of course, as a teenager, <laughs> I would have noticed that in right. a way. <laughs> but when you said that, I'm like, well, that makes kind of it, it makes sense. It makes plenty of sense. It's logical. Now, and the movie was originally, I think, intended. I don't know if the release date was that day. But it was intended to be released on July second, <laughs> and yeah. follow the timeline. Of that would have been creepy. <laughs> yeah, and I don't remember if it was released on July second. I don't think it was. I have somewhere in my notes it was released on June twenty fifth, but then I saw somewhere else where it was released on a different date. There's a global release date, maybe. I so I I couldn't pin down the actual release date. I can find out. Of course. <laughs> So, um, he talked about the the very beginning of the movie, and uh, so when I noticed that the movie started immediately with the score piece, and you know we've talked about in the past that we we've, we've noticed this trend when you have a movie that started with the score piece, we're like, okay, this is destined to be a good, right, a good pairing. Uh the the film was released on July third. Okay. So close, close enough. Yeah, close enough. Um, one of the things of, about when you said it was a good pairing was it worked every step of the way. 
there was not a moment in there where the score was too loud or it was too soft. I have that in my notes as well. That's right. Perfect. And and Ed, there there was never a moment in there where a theme did not fit a scene or there was a mood shift in the score that didn't work for the scene. Also, I noticed that um, there are places where you have dialogue in the movie, and in those places, um, the score is not present, which is it's a, it's a wonderful touch because you can hear the dialogue going on. Sometimes, you know, when you have dialogue, you'll hear mood music in the background to amp up the mood. But in this instance, I noticed that there are several places in the movie where you didn't have that that score, uh, underlying score to um, mess up the um, verbiage that was going on, which was really nice, I thought. Um, so, you know, all the speaking lines could be heard. And there was a nice balance there between the the percussion, the, the bass, anytime we would hear, you know, the score pieces, uh, as well as the you know, the, the middle toned instruments. I thought that the balance was real nice too with the sound uh, in the movie. Right. And, and you mentioned the, you know, the less music in there, the scene where the aliens are blowing up the giant buildings all over earth and the, the explosions are rushing toward the, um, all the people and the pedestrians and everything else. There's no music right there. There's no music for those moments. And it built up these, these suspense perfectly. And so then you got this suspense building moment that Chris just mentioned. And then when the music came in, it was epic music. And it just, it added to It was to almost that. like it had been there, but it wasn't there. Yeah. And it added to that feel. It really did. Yeah. Um, now, uh, one of the things like toward the end of the film, when they're inside the mothership, I noticed, uh, I didn't say anything out loud. Kind of looked like they, were in, like they were inside of a body. Did you notice that? Yeah. When they were flying around, the way everything looked, it looked like they were inside of a body. It came reminded me think of uh, that movie Inner Space with Dennis Quaid. Oh, Play. I hadn't and... seen that in forever. <laughs> got in a little spaceship. <laughs> yeah, I got the little spaceship flying around inside Martin Short. That's what was happening here. Will Smith was and... that Dennis Quaid? Yeah, it was Dennis Quaid was the pilot of the ship, and Martin Short he was inside Martin Short's body. I couldn't remember. It's been so long since I've seen that movie. And then, um, what was it? Uh, Meg Ryan was Dennis Quaid's girlfriend. Yeah, I know Meg Ryan was yeah. in it. <laughs> I didn't pay attention to that. <laughs> we shift gears from Independence Day to Inner Space. Oh, great. <laughs> they got spaceships. Oh, that, that is true. That is true. <laughs> Both of them. But uh, every time the score came in, though, it, it, you know, it felt like it was supposed to be there. It, not like it was needed. Not like it was... It didn't stick out. It didn't have weird no. fingers in it. It didn't have weird uh, transitions. The transitions were true to the score when we listened to it on its own. Um, it sounded nice. Uh, there were... I'm going to talk about the president's speech for a second. Uh, so, you know, we just mentioned about the president's speech and that how it sounded really patriotic on the, on the uh, score itself when we listened to it. But then... Uh, we didn't hear any of those patriotic pieces. It didn't seem like in the movie until the president's speech. And so I would. there's a very interesting background point about that. So he gives a speech in front of this hangar. And the hangar that he's giving the speech in front of historically was one of the hangars that the Enola Gay was housed in. And the Enola Gay was the one that dropped the atomic bomb. It was the airplane that dropped the atomic bomb on Hiroshima. 
Wow. Yes. So not only did he give the speech in front of the hangar, it was filmed on the day that the Enola Gay dropped the atomic bomb. Oh, wow. It was wow. the anniversary of that day. That's even crazier. It was crazy. Uh, so when I read that statistic and then watched the movie, I'm like, oh, man, that's amazing. Um, but I thought that was neat. Another neat thing that you found out, that you pointed out, uh, Brent Spiner's character, who's also known for Data on Star Trek, played a character named Dr. Brackish Oaken. The character and the look is based off of Jeffrey A. Oaken, who was the one of the visual effects supervisors for Stargate. They said that Brent Spiner was, like, pitch perfect of this person like down to the look the way he act everything and i didn't know that i just thought it was such a weird character when he and i was like it's data and he's weird well the backstory to his character which i didn't really get into in 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 the uh the the version of the movie we watched i don't know if it's in the extended version because i never watched it but the the backstory is is that after the flying saucers landed on Area 51 in the 60s, he went to Area 51 and has been there since, <laughs> working on spacecrafts and left alone. Ugh. That's why he, you know, kind of acted erratic. I think there was a book that Dean Devlin put out, uh, or there was like a novelization of that story uh, put out like not too long after the movie came out. Now, they wanted Dean Devlin to write a sequel to the film. Like, 20th Century Fox paid him a bunch of money, and he couldn't come up with anything, so he gave the money back. And then, like, 15 years later, that's when they came, he came to him and said, I think I've cracked the idea. I think I've got it. So that's when we got Independence Day Resurgence. For the longest time on IMDb, it was you know, listed. David Arnold was coming back doing the music. I was ecstatic. I was like, yes! We're going to get that classic music. And even when they announced that Will Smith was not going to be returning, I'm like, at least we got David Arnold doing the score. You know, this is going to be great. And then, right at the last minute, they put in Harold Klosser's name. I Harold- thought you were about to say Harold Faltermeyer. No, I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, that would have been different. <laughs> do, 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 do. Here comes aliens. Do, 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 do. No, no, it was uh, Harold Klosser who had been working with uh, Roland Emmerich ever since the day after tomorrow. I, for the, most part, he's a you know pretty decent composer, but a lot of his stuff, to me, sounds generic. So when I found out they were putting him in charge of the music, which he was also a producer on the film, I knew right then and there it was not going to be as good. And when the film came out, and I listened to the score, I had recently listened to the score again, it's, I could tell right off the bat that it was, it was not David Ordo. And he... David Arnold went on Twitter and said that, unfortunately, he was not asked to come back. And since 20th Century Fox owned the themes to Independence Day, the new composer could use them how they wanted to. Yeah, see, that's horrible. And one of the things, going back and listening to that score, I mean, which we may cover in an episode later on, but one thing for certain I will say now, they had their own style. It was not terrible music, but whenever David Arnold's themes came in, it did not work with the rest of the score. See... Now, that takes pure artistry to do. Take somebody else's work and mold it into your work. And, and seamlessly into your work. And, see, they, they didn't do that, unfortunately, in my opinion, anyways. Uh, I, I really do wish they would have brought 
David Arnold back, I, I think it would have really elevated the film because for, I have spent so long since I've seen that movie. It was not a very good movie from what I remember. It didn't do well at the box office. There were supposed to be two more films. It's supposed to be a second and then a third film, but the after the box office failure of Resurgence, they scrapped the third film. It came out while we were dating, didn't it? Yep. Yeah. I think we went on a date and watched it. No, no, we went to, with my mom. She met us at... Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I remember. Because she was, such, she was such a big fan of Independence Day. She loves the Bill Pullman speech to the point where the, if she said that if that man ever runs for president, she's going to vote for him because of that speech. <laughs> It was a rousing speech. It, it, it really is. It was a great speech. Now, Bill Pullman was not the original choice for the president. Do you know who was? Oh, I read it and I forgot. Kevin Spacey. That's right. Kevin Spacey. They, and they said that they wanted the president to be more like Richard Nixon. That's the original idea. And I'm so glad they didn't. Then they decided not to put Kevin Spacey in there because they said that he was not Hollywood blockbuster leading man material, <laughs> which is ironic because shortly, you know, he did K-Pax in which he, right. <laughs> he won, he won awards for. Right. Um, but no, as far as Will Smith, you know, we, we covered Will Smith and bad boys in, uh, episode, uh, 11, 11. Is that right? No, 12. Episode 12. Sorry. Yes. Episode 12. This is 13. Our, our last episode. <laughs> I can't count, guys. One, I don't two, know math five, anymore. Six. <laughs> anyway. So, Will Smith, um, this helped kick off his career. Um, even though he didn't have a leading part, this started his, his, uh, his hardcore career up until the Wild Wild West. Yeah. Uh, that was the, the kind of pivotal moment of his acting career. But, uh, he was not the original choice for the character. The, now, listen to this list. These are the people that they oh, had considered. Yes. So, you know, his character's name was Stephen Hiller, right? Right. So these are the people that they considered for his character. Eddie Murphy. No. Tom Cruise. No. Keanu Reeves. I No, I couldn't see him playing that Johnny character. Depp. Maybe. Jean-Claude <laughs> and William Baldwin. Who who was ended up casted in the film? They must have liked him that much. That's pretty cool. They must have liked him that much. But those are the choices. Oh, man. All of those are bad ideas. All of them. All of them. Are, I mean, I love those actors. Can you imagine Eddie Murphy shooting down the aliens and then laughing in the Eddie Murphy laugh? Welcome to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that would be terrible let's do another one do tom cruise oh man uh, how would tom cruise do you had me at welcome to earth <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sounded more keanu reeves than tom cruise <laughs> dude <laughs> like uh welcome to earth <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. And John claude Van Damme, he wouldn't say anything. He would just kick him. He would just karate kick the crap out of him. <laughs> Roundhouse kick. And of course, the whole time we're recording this, I don't, I don't know if it's actually picked up, but our little mascot Thomas is sleeping in Leslie's arms and is groaning in his sleep, and I could hear it through the. I can't, I can't tell if he's having a dream or he's snoring. <laughs> he keeps kicking me with his back foot. That so. is hilarious. He, he's with us with every episode, so this is funny. 
<laughs> he's out, though. He's very comfortable. <laughs> he is. He's, he's sleeping soundly. So, as always, with these, we, you know, determine, does the score work for the film? Yes. In my opinion, definitely. I could not picture... Well, that's the last one. We can't get to that one just yet. No, I'm saying I could not picture another score Yeah. in this film. Okay. Yeah. Now, what were some of your favorite... Uh, score pieces and some of your favorite movies well we mentioned my favorite score piece and that was the president's speech i love that score piece um i like the fact that it sounded very patriotic i like the fact that he used a lot of the horns and the in the drums um it was nice i really liked it now my favorite scene in the movie was at the beginning when jeff goldblum and his dad were arguing in the car Oh, oh, <laughs> I don't want to argue. I don't want to argue. Let's just get there as quickly as possible. Yeah. What's the rush? You think they're going to get there and it's not going to be there? And he just looks at him. <laughs> yeah, I love that scene. I've seen that movie too many times. <laughs> it's a great scene. Uh, my favorite score piece, I don't, I don't know the name of it, but it's for the scene where the aliens are, you see the ship coming out of the clouds. And that's when the aliens theme kind of takes over. It's huge, low brass. Science fiction type of sound. That's where I noticed it sounded kind of sci-fi. I thought that was fantastic because it just, you know, incorporated the uh, danger and the the evilness of these aliens. And, you know, that could have gone wrong in so many ways. Because he could have put a wrong instrument in there or he could have uh, or featured the wrong instrument, for example. uh, Or have. Added a Thurman, God help us oh, if he God. did. But it didn't. He meshed that sci-fi sound nicely with what he established, you know, at the beginning of the movie. I thought it was great. I yeah. thought it was great what he did. And, and that was like one of my favorite score pieces. Like I said, I don't know the name of it. I, I meant to write it down, but I forgot. You failed. I don't. <laughs> uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's The Invasion <laughs> is the name of the score piece. I could be wrong. But my favorite scene, though... Um, I'm trying to think. There's so many because I really like the movie. Um, it it might be the part with the with them in the car, or um, when he, you know, puts the little thing on top of his car and he finds out where the woman's at inside the White House. That was I like that scene pretty funny because she's like, "How did he do that?" And that would that would be kind of cool. There's some trivia related to that scene, and I can't, if I remember correctly. Uh, I can't. I don't know if they cut it out of the film, but you know, when he was trying to find her. They said that there was a map on the on the computer, mm-hmm. and there's some street names like "Here she is" or something like that. <laughs> All together, "Here she is" street or "There she is" street or That's something like funny, that. That's pretty funny. No, yeah, I didn't it was in that. the trivia, but I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't discern whether if it was still in the movie or if it wasn't a you know cut scene. But I thought that was funny. Uh, fun fact, well, not really a fun fact, but um, the DVD that I have, this is not the version we watched, I've watched it before, there's an extended version, and we find out more about Randy Quaid's character, to where he was a drunk, and he was very mean to his kids, and one of the kids that you see in the theatrical version that is sick, apparently that kid was a diabetic, and they were trying to find a you know solution for him. And Randy Quay was just being kind of mean about it. And, you know, he was very rude and arrogant. And watching that version, I'm going, no wonder this they took all this out because it made him almost unredeemable in the end. Well, it, it kind of makes sense in a way how they ended his character. 
that that was you know his character arc then so he redeemed himself by sacrificing himself spoiler alert guys sorry yeah. if you hadn't seen the movie but you should been, have since it was know, released in 1996 since, right <laughs> i think on this podcast we're not going to worry about spoilers i mean if it's like a very recent movie it's probably been out for a while by the time the episode airs so yeah but anyway um so i can see that character arc there uh, where he redeems himself. That kind of makes sense. But I'm glad that they took it out. I'm glad they did too. Because the movie really wasn't about his character. It would have made, it would have changed the, the mood of the movie. It did. I think it, 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 it changed it the entire tone of that character and the film. When it, I was just like, oh man, this is dreadful. Because he's not a main character. No. And it just, it didn't work. It really didn't work. So I'm glad they took it out. So could there have been anything changed for the score that's our last criteria no i don't think so i don't think so either i don't think so i think every bit of the score works and i cannot picture any other score with this film now remember i mentioned yesterday that he won a grammy there was only like four or five other films i think that ever won a grammy oh really up until that point oh wow mm-hmm. was one of them uh Fultemeyer with beverly hills cop no <laughs> no Trying to remember. I should have wrote it down. And I fail. (laughs) 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 So as always, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Find us on Instagram. And, you know, chat with us. We're we're always available, uh, especially on Twitter and Facebook. Those are the the two main ones that get us you know get a hold of us on, or you can just send us send us an email at measuringthescore at gmail dot com. Um, we'd love to hear from you. If you got a suggestion for us, if you got a you know idea about the show, you got a score you want us to cover, send us an email, send us a message, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Any ideas for a movie that you want us? If if you've got a movie yourself, you got a score yourself. Send it to us. Even a short. We like short films. We'll take short films. I mean, <laughs> we are not opposed to them. I mean, because there are a lot of short films that have great scores. And Chris has scored a lot of short films. Yes, and those are the ones with the bad scores. <laughs> 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 so seriously, guys, thank you so much for listening. And as always, for measuring the score, I'm Chris. And I'm Leslie. Have a good one.